It's Father Anthony. Father Harrison. I can see you. Yeah. But like not in a through a screen anymore. No, just your face is right there in real life. I can gaze. Yep. Upon the face. Upon the face. Oh, well, that was another voice. Other uh, voice. You gotta they gotta <laughs> learn to speak into the microphone when they're talking. Hi, I'm Father Nick. Um I, this is the second time I've done this, so it's actually more awkward than the first. But. Yeah. So okay, all, yeah. I can see you too. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who, who's next to you? That's Father Dan Fovajny. Yes. Hello. Uh, very wonderful to have all of you here. Thank you for staying in my uh, in my parish home. Thank you. Thank you for letting us stay here. And we have some people across the table from you. That's right, because into Father, the microphone, I Father yeah, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> like thank really you into the microphone. I feel Swallow awkward it. being this close to anything. <laughs> Especially since he and I are sharing a microphone. So not only is he this close to the microphone, he's this close to me, That's right. and that makes it quite awkward. And who are you again, Father Michael? Oh. <laughs> well, Father Alec just pointed out I'm Father Michael. I was on this once before, back with Father Nick, and so it's. Quadruply is awkward. No one now. remembers that. Welcome no, to don't. very clerically speaking. Yes. This is <laughs> special <deep>. episode. <laughs> what, what, what? Special episode. And not just that. With last time we did this, we had producer Nick did what he could, mm-hmm. and we had like socks over the microphones for pop right. filters yeah. and stuff like that. We got this new equipment that we talked about last week, and it's awesome. Yeah. So if the sound quality is off in any way, it has nothing to do with the microphones or with producer Nick. It's all because we don't know how to use technology. Yeah. It's because of producer Father Harrison this time. That's right. I guess I am kind of- You do have the soundboard in front of you. Yeah, and the computer that's recording it. So the power is all mine. Mm-hmm. The power is mine. It's good and to be with you guys. And the responsibility. It's good to be with you guys. Yeah, we did this in October. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We did this in Pittsburgh. We chilled. We illed. Um, it was great. But we were like, you got to do this again. So Father Dan graciously created a spreadsheet for us. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Spreadsheet is power. I made a beautiful spreadsheet <laughs> detailing the location where these guys were to stay, where they should park, and how to navigate the property when they get here. Some initial places where we might go to enjoy some beautiful yeah, churches around Chicago. Nice. Names of places, the exact names of places that they should go to. And nobody has consulted my spreadsheet. <laughs> Every time I hear, where are we staying again? What's the address? I said, simply look at the spreadsheet. What's the church that we're going to today? Well, if you would have looked at the spreadsheet, <laughs> Dan, you wouldn't have gone 20 I'm, minutes. I'm gonna be have you been with us so long and you still do not know us? As I said earlier, I'm a liberal arts major. I've never used a spreadsheet in my life. And it wasn't until this last week that I learned that spreadsheets can have tabs. I know, spreadsheets can have tabs. I looked at the spreadsheet, and then you were saying all this other stuff was on it, and I had no idea. And I kept scrolling it, and I kept reloading uh, the. Nothing about our. I mean, the only thing that I saw. I didn't know spreadsheets could have tabs. What have they taught you in seminary? What, why, what, that's the like fourth most important thing that they teach you. I learned a lot of multicultural education. I mean, how do you function in a parish without using spreadsheets at all? This is an unbelievable. I believe our secretary uses spreadsheets, but I don't really use the spreadsheets. Clerical. There we That's go. Clericalism, clericalism right speaking. <laughs> Excuses <laughs> are nails in the house of failure. <laughs> I've never brought a spreadsheet to a baptism. I've never brought a spreadsheet. <laughs> then you haven't lived for my homily. <laughs> <laughs> I've never brought a spreadsheet to any of the other sacraments in, into the confessional. Little do you know. How do you even know valid listed? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> when Jesus, the tradition when Jesus was writing with his finger on the ground, you know what he, he was doing? He was writing a spreadsheet. A1 spreadsheets. Name. A2. Uh, yeah, no, B, B1. Sin. 
Like he was, yeah. yeah oh, well, you were yeah. you were doing the spreadsheet. Yeah, I was thing. doing yes. the spreadsheet. Yes, yes. Like then there's a tab for it. Yes, yes. And yes. the only way I know what that is is from playing Battleship as a kid. Oh yeah, because of what about Gordon's. Bingo? Okay, hey, hey, Father Dan, how about you tell the people what we did today? Yes, I would love to. Uh, I'm, let me just let me pull up the spreadsheet on my phone so I can figure out what activities. <laughs> like well, we, we, I mean, things got off to a bit of a, a rocky start in the morning. Only for three, two. No, I would say that the morning started off very well. We stayed well, here at the parish. Sorry, and we yes, celebrated I mean, that was great. A lovely mass together. The homily was fantastic. Not only because I gave it, mm-hmm. but also because I stole most of the content from Father Anthony. Yeah. So that was basically why. You must it be was really an, desperate. An excellent homily. That's actually what I learned in seminary was to steal other people's homilies when they're good. Yes, from the spreadsheet where you keep all the different <laughs> homilies. I mean, that's where so you know what week and what day, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so uh, we had an excellent mass. We drove into the city from Northbrook where, where we're staying here. Uh, we went to an excellent, was it the Golden Nugget? Pancake the Golden house, Nugget. The Golden oh, Nugget. That's, yeah, that, no, that, that's where things did start off. Uh, yeah. Oh, we oh before, before we go well. forward. What? Before we go forward. So people who listen, sorry, I'm sorry, I got to, we don't go past the nugget thing yet. We got it. I got it. I got some news to share with the podcast. We have listeners. news? Yeah. We never have news. Well, we, we, t- we talked about pancakes and how much I, I load them. Oh, right, right. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were going to have nugget related news. I was excited about nugget related because news. Because as everybody knows, Wendy's is going to bring back spicy nuggets. Everybody listen to spicy nuggets. Spicy nuggets. nuggets. Yes. Uh, people know I, 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 I tend to loathe pancakes. And Father Anthony ordered pancakes this morning, and they actually they were very fluffy and they looked really good. And I tried. I was like, "This is actually really good. If this was with more pancakes, I'd be having. I would be in favor." Of like pancakes. I said multiple times before, good pancakes are good, and these were cinnamon roll pancakes, and they were delicious. They looked they looked a very particularly thick and fluffy. I mean, they were like an inch thick. They were not flat pancakes. No, at not all. even an exaggeration. They were like yeah. both. They were really delicious. Mm-hmm. And then where do we go after that, Father Dan? You can continue now. Yeah, thank you, Father Harrison. You're welcome, Father Dan. Uh, I'm a generous producer. <laughs> uh, immediately next door to the uh, Golden Nugget Pancake House was really the first object of our morning was the uh, fabulous House of Hanson, which uh, custom tailors a variety of vestments, uh, chasubles, stoles. Father Alec has a wonderful stole that he purchased today. Father Alec, do you want to talk about that? Sure, yes. I, the stole was on the discount rack, so I couldn't resist. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff, like some loose maniples that wouldn't have matched any other vestment I had. Um, so I went with a stole, and it has the uh, coat of arms of the Order of Malta on it. Um, and I've done some things with them in Pittsburgh before, so I thought, you know, this is um, an even bigger foot in the door for me. So someday I can be uh, their chaplain, God yeah. willing. Who mm-hmm. knows? They're great, great people. Is it okay for me to ask you how much the, the stole set you back? Because I don't think people have any idea how much investments cost. Yeah, yeah people, I, I, I'm sure people have almost zero compass. You know, it goes anywhere from like, does that cost $20 to is that $2,000? Right. It was $50. It was $50. Yeah. Which is a pretty fair price for, for a nice stole. stole. Yeah. yeah. I have a little story about that, actually. Uh, a classmate of mine was getting ordained, and, and uh, his. Uh, He's doing great. He's doing great. Yeah, I'm He's speaking good. right He's into good. the microphone. He's good. He's good. He's good. And the local Knights of Columbus wanted to buy him uh, a chasuble for an ordination gift. And so they didn't know how much it was going to cost, though. So they went to his sister and asked her, you know, we're thinking about getting, uh, you know, Father, when he gets ordained, a nice chasuble as a gift, but we don't know how much it costs. Do you know how much it costs? And his sister didn't know how much it cost either, and so she took a guess. And she said, uh, I don't know, like $15,000. What? <laughs> and so the Knights of Columbus like, I don't know if we can afford $15,000. Yeah. How about we just give him, you know, like four or $500 as a gift, and he can <laughs> apply it towards a chasm. Well, but but it just goes to show it. nobody really knows yeah. how much these things cost. CatholicLiturgicals.com. Yes. <laughs> that is your resource. Yes. So I, I, most of my vestments, are, they're made in India, 
and they're great and they're beautiful and it's where most of my investments are from and like uh i got like i just uh my our cwl my parish catholic women's league bought me a rose vestment for uh gaudete and la sundays uh during the year so and it was about 150 bucks mm-hmm. right but um shipping. so the ones the ones at house uh of hansen were more expensive i think a lot of ones i was yeah. saying was around like 600 to 700 dollars but that's but they pretty were good. That, that's actually a pretty good price still. I think. I, I think it's still a very good price. Um, to be the, to be honest, they were nicer than a lot of the more expensive vestments yeah. I have. Yeah. If you're going over two thousand dollars for a vestment, you need to settle. Well, down. my thing well, is like I've looked. At, if you look in catalogs, <laughs> that's when prices are really expensive. What are you doing? Anything from, catalog, nothing from a catalog. Nothing from a catalog. You shouldn't buy anything from a catalog for more than two thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to spend two thousand dollars on an investment, have it custom made at like one nice, of the really nice. nice places. Go to Rome. Have it commissioned or something. Have your parish do it. Don't own it personally as a priest. That's another point of confusion. Whether priests own their own vestments. Yeah, explain that. Um, some, I mean, so there are certain things I myself as a priest own, certain vestments. Like I had a vestment made for my first mass that I use on big occasions. I'll take that with me from every parish I'm assigned to. Um, sometimes, very often, virtually always, parishes also have their own vestments, mm-hmm. um, which some priests might leave there. But, um, you know, if, if you want something very nice for your parish, I would say every parish should have a set of sort of feast day vestments that stay there and are very nice. You know, it can be used for Easter and Christmas. Um, you know, in that way, you don't lose a whole set of vestments when, you know, your priest leaves. Right, yeah. What did you get, Father Anthony? So I got fitted for a cassock. Trad. I know. Tradening. <laughs> and he <laughs> tweeted yeah. about it. I tweeted about it, yes. You got a lot of likes. Wait, wait, got a we... lot of likes. <laughs> well, Father know. Alex says enviously. I can tweet the most mundane stuff or the most mildly pious stuff. And people get upset with me because all the traffic it gets on Twitter. The catechism is good. Yeah. 4,200 likes. I didn't even say catechism is good. I said it's highly underrated. Oh, okay. Right? Okay, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so cassock, for those who don't know, is that kind of black robe that priests can wear as their everyday sort of wear. Um, and I had one in seminary that I got, uh, but it doesn't fit me quite anymore. Um, so I was like, let's get a new one. Plus, it's it's my birthday, so I decided to get a cassock for oh, my birthday. He's an old man now. I am 30 years old. He can tap into that old man strength now. Yes. Um, so anyway, I got the cassock, and let's see. So for a cassock for the belt, um, custom fitted with uh, 33 buttons, five buttons on all that, and also like an extra collar to fit into the, all that. Everything was around $700, which why I thought was, was a good deal for that. Why was this not sold and given to the poor? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Father Anthony. Because I need clothes. Insurmountable <laughs> scriptural citation. <laughs> just don't Got look, him! Just don't look up who said that in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Point. Father Dan, famous for for, for quoting Judas. Um, but uh, do ever get? Uh, so I mean, that's a thing though, a little bit. Wearing a cassock via wearing regular clerics. Also, clerical shirts are kind of expensive too. In North America. In North America. Yeah. What what, what, do, what is a Canadian clerical shirt? Cost? Canada is in North America. Really? Actually, close. If I wanted to order. Oh, is it? Uh, I always get confused. shirts in Canada are quite a bit cheaper because they're uh, self-hunted from moose. <laughs> yes, yes. I started cheering silently as soon as you started that sentence. <laughs> In Canada, you have to order them. If I wanted to, I'd have to order them usually from like a church supply store, which I almost never do because it's just too expensive because they're like 100 bucks each Canadian, yep. whoa, whoa, which is about $70 U.S. Um, How much of say that goes to pay for your health care? I have no idea. <laughs> Whatever the taxes are, some of that tax money. Um, 
So what I usually do is either I have friends who are going to Rome. I say, can you go to Barbicone and get me some shirts? Mm. Or I've done, I did this once when I was first ordering. Me and a bunch of guys from the seminary, we ordered a bunch of shirts from Barbicone so we could save on the yes, shipping yeah. and just ship them over to us. Yeah. Because that Even was, if you order by yourself, I found the shipping is quite reasonable yeah. for, for three or four shirts. Yeah. I and they're nicer there well. if you get them. They are so good. They are fitted, un- unlike being loose sacks, which most American <laughs> clerical shirts are. You know, in order, to, in order to fit the physique of the average American priest. Speaking of loose sacks, if the habits, habits, Franciscan habits, go on. Not go where on. I thought you were going with that sentence. No, no. You, I mean, it's okay, it's all good. It's God's Holy Friar speaking. Let him this speak. This part will be edited out post-production. No, I won't. Go ahead. The Franciscan. This is Father Nick. I'm a Franciscan friar. <laughs> you just get a habit, and you solve all these problems. You don't have to worry about a fitted belt or notches. It's just a rope. You can just let it yourself go or tighten it back up. It's real easy. I'm wearing gym shorts and a t-shirt. Life's great. <laughs> How much do they cost? No idea. Somebody makes it. ten yards of fabric, and you give them to an old Polish lady, and a couple weeks later, it comes back as a habit. And I mean. This fitted. There you go. Thirty-three <laughs> buttons. I got two snaps. What do you mean? <laughs> Collar. Two nothing. snaps for the two natures of our Lord. Right? Mm. Am I right? I, the people cannot it see. It has pockets. pockets. Under there. Pocket. They're like hidden pockets. There's little yeah. hidden pockets Wait, so underneath in, in, the in, cape thing. So he's as the cape thing. <laughs> it's called the capuche. So under the capuche, <laughs> he's got pockets like you have like um, breast pockets. Shirt pockets. Yeah. And then in that. Father Nicholas Rokika has an image of divine mercy. And that is so on that brand. That is so Polish, it's not even funny. Two, he has two. Wait, wait, he, he has three images of the divine mercy. And so I can give them out to people. And oh. on the back, it's how to pray the chaplet of divine mercy. That's the best magic trick I've ever seen. <laughs> it was like when the guy, when the magician pulls the scarves out of his hand. I mean, it was like that, but divine mercy images out of his habit. Because God's divine mercy is never ending, Father Dan. Yeah. So yes. Amazing. So uh, after we went to uh, House of Hanson, mm-hmm. where I, I actually, one of my things was, it's been actually, I haven't been able to find new tabs. I need, my, all my tabs are breaking, so like, they're cracking down the middle, so I bought some new tabs, which I was really happy the with. The collar thing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. The white part. The, the white part. Wear, yeah. The one thing yeah. I was very tempted to buy were they had these little <laughs> doll hats. They had uh, the Berettas, which is the hat you wear, yeah. which a priest can wear, especially if he's celebrating the extraordinary form. But they had them for the size of dolls. <laughs> it was like I don't know if they make male American girl dolls. If like they have American boy dolls. I did not see these. They did not they, see they, these. They had the little doll hats. Well, that's probably for various uh, uh, infants of Prague, so that they <laughs> so they have the infant of Prague can celebrate mass. But they didn't actually sell the infant of Prague doll. They just sold of course hats. not. It's a clothing store. You fool. <laughs> That's what you go. You know, they only that's where the you go to they the church the supply the store. <laughs> you go to the church supply store for the doll, hmm. right? So after that, things got a little rocky. Did they? For because some for some people, because Father Anthony uh, put did not the consult rock. the spreadsheet. Did not consult. The Always consult the spreadsheet. <laughs> I had everything meticulously planned out, precisely for this purpose. I'm very aware when guests come to Chicago, they might not know where everything is, and so. We wanted to show them some of our uh, beautiful uh, churches, particularly along the um, Polish Corridor in Chicago, up and down Milwaukee Avenue, that sort of area, because we also could get uh, some uh, pierogi, which then I could eat more of than Father Nick, just to continue to assert my dominance over him in that area. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said, they asked, as we were leaving House of Hansen, they said, what... Where, what church are we going to now? And I said, first of all, look at the spreadsheet and don't ask me these questions. <laughs> and they said, we don't know how to look at a spreadsheet. I said, fine, we are going to St. Mary of the Angels. 
okay? St. Mary. Mary of the Angels. Which sounds really similar to Our Lady of the Angels. Only if you are a rube um, (laughs) who can't read a spreadsheet. (laughs) So four of them went to St. Mary of the Angels. Mm And I had the misfortune of being in Father Anthony's car with him when we went to, which you could have corrected him at any time. We, if and we had this conversation. I said, "This is right. Doesn't th- does this sound right? Is correct?" You're like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." So we were both in the wrong, Father Harrison. Just accept uh, it. Just accept that we both messed up. Uh, Everyone right. makes mistakes sometimes, even Canadians. Okay, whatever. Right? Okay. Anyway, so we eventually though got to Saint Mary of the Angels, which is gorgeous, and then we went to Saint. Stanislaus, Saint Stanislaus Koska, okay. the Koska. mother church of the mother po- the Polish mother church of yeah. the north northwest side of Chicago. Yeah, and then uh, from there went to a, a, a probably what like just a couple blocks away, yeah. Holy, Holy Trinity, Trinity. Polish we mission, which was so extra. Oh, the church itself. Yeah, yeah. like inside the church. It was well, just... that one was different because instead of like columns, the whole space was opened up. Yeah. So once you stepped into it, it was like, boom, church, church everywhere. Yeah. No like, room for anything else but church. You knew what kind of church it was going to be even before you walked in because walking up, they had, I believe, 12 Polish flags flying outside the church. Yeah. That's a gross understatement. <laughs> <laughs> and like there was no space left undecorated mm-hmm. in that church. It was it was very nice. It was very Polish. It was a fantastic church and and uh everything was in Polish. The church bulletins were in Polish. The signs were in Polish. I actually had to use the restroom but I didn't know where to go because they had arrows and I didn't know the difference between the Polish word for exit and toilet. And so <laughs> they're very different words. <laughs> there is an exiting in both places though. The church itself is really quite stunning. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Father Alec, you've seen many churches all across Europe, correct? Yes, that is right. Uh, so when you walk into a church like the ones we saw here in Chicago, what are your thoughts, feelings, reactions? You know, I said this even, um, you know, seeing some of the most beautiful churches in Rome. Obviously, the history of those churches is, is um, practically unparalleled as far as you know, you know, the stones in the foundation might be from the fourth century, you know, and then the history goes on from there. But some of our beautiful churches in the U.S. rival uh, as an architectural piece um, some of the most beautiful churches in Europe. And I think these churches in Europe prove, or in, in Chicago prove that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ashamed to say, I'm not, I'm not shy about saying that. No, that was good. I think, no. so. I mean, I was thinking the same I'm thing. I'm not quite as well traveled. Plus, plus they're also are, are architecturally of a piece. Yes. You know, which is something to be said. I mean, the Roman thing where it's like, you know, every side chapel was commissioned by some different noble family in a different decade or century. You know, it's been redone. It's like a Romanesque stones that have been baroque out of control, you know, and everything's been gilded. And there's little plaster angels falling off the ceiling and stuff. Like, that's all great. It's wonderful. It's a thing. But it's also great to just walk into a church and say, you know, this was all built, you know, in a certain period of time. And it's a coherent whole. Yeah, I agree. So then I, I would say the highlight of our day happened right am i am i i I, well i mean i would say that that the mass us being together right now is the highlight of the day but go on okay i would claim the holy celebration of the mass this morning is the highlight of the day yes brother yes (laughs) i mean you know different strokes yeah sure one of the more memorable parts of our trip is that a fair take father dan okay (laughs) (laughs) father dan uh, you know what was really cool we went to this polish place that gave us food it was, so we walk, who wants to tell the story? Father Dan needs to tell the story. Cause yeah, how did you find this place? 
Yes. Uh, thank you for asking. Google. Yeah, I looked online, <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, Polish food near Holy Trinity Mission. That's what I searched. We found this wonderful place called Podhalanka, uh, which is like a little tiny storefront uh, Polish food restaurant. I'd never been there before. We walked in. Uh, we sat down, all, all six of us in our, well, five of us in clerics, one of us in a, in a Franciscan conventual habit. Thank you. <laughs> Don't want to have any Franciscan erasure going on here. Mm-mm. And we sat down, and the proprietor, I presume, came over to us, and he looked at us, and he said, have you guys all been here before? And we said, no. He said, well, where are you guys, where are you guys from? So they said where they were from. He said, okay, I'm going to, uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start you off with some soup. <laughs> We're going to get you through the rest of the thing. We did not order anything at this restaurant. He didn't give, he had menus, but he did not put them on the table once he found out we were new. Yeah. Yeah. And I seriously doubt the menus would have any English on them. No, they probably do. They probably do. Yeah, because there were police officers over in there. So, so we had, he. so he brought us first, this is the best part. He goes, I'm going to bring you two jugs of juice. Okay, great. It's a traditional Polish juice. Okay, great. He brings it out. What kind of juice is it? It's juice. Great, yeah, but what kind? It, it's just Mike it's really juice. wanted to know I what kind of juice, juice it was. I made this juice. He said he <laughs> told us that he made the juice, and he seemed offended that we wanted to know what kind. Wait, why of juice do you want to know what's in the juice? I made the juice for you. Exactly. <laughs> to be fair, I had no question about what was in the juice. It no, was, no, I was you never were very in my mind yes. that this was going to be delicious juice. <laughs> Some people didn't have that same kind of etiquette, though. And then he just brings out six random bowls of soup. Which were all delicious. It Assigned seems to me. them to us like read our souls. Yep. And said, "This is this is your this soup. Is six different soups for six different people, uh, and we ate for the most part. I think there may have been a little bit of swapping that occurred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I ate the soup that was given to me. It was perfectly apportioned <laughs> to my taste. Then after the soups came the main dishes, which were um, you had the you had uh, your pierogi, pierogi, which were three different the, kinds the of pierogi. The very first we got the we got the kielbasa. Yes. And the gawamki. The kielbasa was. And what's the that? Potatoes. What's that second word you used? Gawamki. What is that? That They're is gawamki. Okay. <laughs> just, I apologize, I apologize just, for asking. Just Google it. How do you spell not it? Not everyone who listens to the podcast is Polish. That's all. It's G O L with a thing through it. <laughs> Which is more spelt like a pronounced like a W. Yeah, it's a dark L. Yeah. <laughs> you're laughing, but it's the funnel, that's the phonological name. That sounds like it's from the dark arts. <laughs> it's, okay, it's so like we got lazy, it's a lazy L. <laughs> what what do you say about Polish L's? You can't say something no, like that. So, okay, so <laughs> Polish your, people are lazy. That's your Pittsburgh they have big accent. thumbs and they yes. have uh, dark L's. Your Pittsburgh accent comes through and you say like Polish. Yeah. Right? That's not like Polish, oh, but Polish, right? Oh, yeah. Like there's a what? You're oh, doing it. That's beautiful. You already speak Polish. that way. Polish. That's because he's Polish. No, not like that. Mewich. <laughs> um, yes. So, Gawumpki are... Uh, <laughs> thank, you. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Cabbage rolls. There's yes. meat cabbage and rice rolls. that are rolled up in, yeah. a, in a leaf or two of, of cabbage. Cabbages. And then usually in some kind of sauce, it could be a mushroom sauce or tomato sauce. Yeah. These were tomato sauce, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And we had uh, then just a plate of potatoes, of, of boiled potatoes. Mm-hmm. And then potato pancakes. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, yeah. Cheese blintzes. Oh, those stole the show, folks. Describe them. Oh, uh, I don't know how you can. Descri- it's it's like man, it's like what is this? It's a crepe. <laughs> it's like a crepe because it's so amazing. It's like a Polish crepe. A word it's a crepe. It. It's a crepe. Like Sweden, yeah. probably a mascarpone type cheese or something, mm-hmm. covered know. with powdered sugar and then with a nice side of applesauce. And these were a little bit different. Normally, the ones that I have 
they don't always come hot, but these came like very warm. And he said, and you he, have to eat them now, yeah, and I'm so glad out, I listened to him. They were crispy. Now, again, keep in mind, as he said, you have to eat these now. We had already been shoveling food into our mouths <laughs> for 30 minutes. Trying because when you see the food, you eat the food. Correct. And when you eat the food, you're sad because there's no more food. Yeah. Then you remember there'll be more food tomorrow. Exactly. That's how it works here in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a significant amount of food. It was, it was definitely it was a unique restauranting experience. Yeah, but the, uh, the guy who was helping us out and bringing us all the food, he was super nice. Yeah. Super helpful. Yeah. Other than that, he wanted to describe what was in the juice. <laughs> Although he did call it KGB juice. KGB did, juice. Yeah. 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 And and he asked us, do you know what's in KG or do you know what the KGB is? And I didn't quite know how to answer that to him. Right. Because I didn't want to possibly admit that I did know what the KGB was to you a throw you out. man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what's yeah. going on. But so the that, restaurant was also strangely decorated. The, it was very It was random. not strangely decorated. Strange is the wrong word. No, no, that, randomly, that restaurant, randomly that decorated. restaurant was like the perfect aesthetic. Was exactly it, like my grandpa Bretzky's basement. It was like that's what it Bob, felt like. I, I don't basement. think you disagreed yes. with my statement. <laughs> not randomly, right. very purposeful. How dare you? <laughs> they had a vase that had uh, an image of John Paul II on it. Of course. Naturally. They had a picture of Princess Diana. Right over our table. Yes, it was that. They had a lithograph from a racetrack in Virginia. As you do. <laughs> and of course, the Polish news was. You have not. You obviously. You obviously haven't been to many Polish restaurants. That's true. <laughs> they all have a picture of Princess Di. Yes. Uh, then we concluded our day um, at St. John Cantius, which was Whoa. stunning. and probably which was a little bit of a, an experience to get into. I was very grateful. So I was worried, like, would these places be open? Would be able to get into them? They're not all in, like, you know, cushy, nice neighborhoods. And so, you know, I, I understand. Sometimes if you're not going to be around, you can't leave uh, these places unlocked. It's unfortunate, but it's the reality that we are in. So we were we tried to get up. Uh, we went up the steps. We tried to get into St. John Cantus. The doors were locked. And so uh, Father Michael called the parish office, and they sent over a brother who not only opened up the <laughs> Father Michael, he called the parish office and said, I came all the way from California. You open up these doors. <laughs> he threw. A, I was a little bit more polite, but that was the gist of what I said. <laughs> yeah. And if they weren't going to do that, I was going to pull the Father Harrison card and say, we have another priest who has flown internationally from another country to be here. Can you please Even open though up I'm the from the, 40, but they were below actually, the 49th. <laughs> so you came all the way from the Arctic Circle is what we we're going to say. But uh, the brother who helped us out uh, was super nice. Yeah, and brother came Quinn, right, right, right away. Yeah, gave us a tour of the whole place. Oh and it was it was a stunning church. Like for me, I, yeah, it was the highlight of the day. I think so too. Not to say, these other, I mean, all these churches are beautiful, but there was just something about every, every detail was immaculately taken care of in that church. It's rare you go into a church and you can tell that like every inch of it has been worked over with care. Yeah, you know, that exactly. It, that it's meticulous. That it's often meticulously dusted. The floor was brand new because he described to us how the old one melted, basically melted mm-hmm. in Chicago. Some super great, hot summer. Great heat wave of of ninety five. Oh yes, <laughs> that's horrifying. I mean, you just saw and you know that you knew that every corner of this place had been taken yeah. care of. And you know, there's just something about the attention to detail. And yeah, the the parish. I guess when um, the founder of the community came in. There was 40 people in the parish and one child, and now they have 2,500 families in the parish, which is really awesome. So turn it around. And now we're here. So it's it's good to be here with you guys. Um, 
we're gonna it's gonna be a bit of a shorter podcast tonight just because uh we are going to do our twitter meetup tonight at the hofra house in chicago here Mm -hmm. get our steins of beer and it's gonna be awesome um i think it's very uh commendable very sweet in fact that you think that any of us are going to consume any (laughs) any more calories it's simply (laughs) not possible when you see the food you eat the food like i'm drinking a LaCroix, and i can barely (laughs) oh no and there's no calories in that so Um, so wait wait who ate more wait who ate more food though was it father alec or was it father dan wasn't counting. I had an extra helping of the pierogi. Oh, who had the bigger breakfast? Uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty close. I think you finished completely your bowl of soup, and I left some in there. But Father Dan, when you see the food, or two, and then <laughs> I think we probably had about the same amount of pierogi because I had the the last one on that platter as well. Yeah. That's true. I did. I did invite you to take it, and you accepted. Mm-hmm. You were definitely the MVPs, though. You carried yes. the team, no yes. doubt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, the, the, the gentleman, the proprietor there, I wish I could remember his name. George. It was, it was, was it George? I it think was it was George. Guy. Uh, and again, just the care that he showed in, this whole group of strangers walks in. He's like, you know what? You all are obviously here to get the Polish food experience, and so that is what I'm going to give to you. Uh, ended up being uh, fairly reasonably priced, the, I would say, and for the, the pierogi, amount yeah. of food. That and the pierogi were really, like, they're homemade. You can tell. Like, oh, yeah. When you look at the back where the kitchen is, you can tell the table where they obviously, like, rolled the pierogi and everything. Oh, yeah, everything. It was the, just, everything's the, homemade. The sausage was homemade, you know. <laughs> the, soup, the sausage, the soup the, the sausage for me good. was the highlight. The juice was most certainly homemade. <laughs> what, hey, whatever he gave is us one it. of the pictures of juice he gave us for free. Compliment. And the bottles of <laughs> water. And the bottles of water. So, so I guess maybe, maybe the Polish restaurant is the most memorable part because we've gone back to the Polish restaurant. Talking about it again. This, this entire podcast is an extended advertisement for Pod Holanka. You can find it in Chicago. One of the new sponsors of Clerically Speak. Yeah, exactly. So we only have about maybe like seventeen-ish minutes left to go here, but we just thought maybe we would, we would talk a little bit about um, priestly life again. Uh, I, I, I mean, we are priests. Yeah, that's what we do. Just to give you a little insight of it, like, you know, and maybe it's about like um, what what should a priest's life look like? Because I think. We ha- everyone has ideas of what a priest's life should look like. Um, how much it's how 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 busy should a priest's life be? What should be in a priest's day? What shouldn't be? When should priests say yes and no to things, etc.? And I think it's a it's an important thing to talk about. And I, I think too, it we all have quite different experiences. Like we have friar, Father Nick here, who's a friar, who has a very different experience than you know us us he's honorable friar. He, us though, honorable diocesan clergy yeah even though he's a friar and has a vow of poverty he deals with money on a far more often basis than we do right yes exactly what's your, what's your do- job friar nick yeah so i'm the treasurer of the uh, our lady of angels province which is the east coast and it's for 175 friars about 10 of them yeah 15 of them are students and about 35 of them or so are elder friars and the rest of them work and it's my job to uh but take care of the the money we get and and something um a lot of people don't know it's this is different for different religious communities and different for religious um but basically how it works is that our 120 guys or how many ever so friars who work they they basically send in most of their paycheck to me um and the treasurer's office and then i pay for the the education of the younger friars because they can't work they're in school and pay for that and then we take care of the older friars for their medical bills and we have it's maybe about 10 friars in nursing homes or so um and then save the other the other money use some for some capital improvements we do give some away to uh, around the world for friaries we give some to local people um so yeah it's it's overall it's kind of simple 
Um, but it <laughs> <laughs> is it though? In is it? Is it really? How many spreadsheets um, do you have open dealing with money at a time? Um, do they have tabs? Oh yeah, naturally. So that I mean, and I have three full-time employees, a part-time employee. It's, there's 50 people who work in the offices, all or all of our offices. So, so more of an administrator in that sense. Um, it's not quite a CFO because I I can literally decide nothing about where the money goes. So I'm basically a, just a super accountant of sorts. Do you um, consider yourself a super accountant? I am super, and I am an accountant. <laughs> no, uh, I'm still learning. And one of the, the things that's funny, it's I, I'm finishing up my it's a nonprofit MBA, and I have I taught accounting for one year, so that's one more year than all the other friars combined. So I'm the expert. And, <laughs> this um, is how religious life works. Yeah, yeah and it's how um, priestly life works too. It's like, oh, yeah, you've been doing this for a year. Great, you're and, an expert um, now. It's, it's Father Luca Pacioli from is Italian who, who wrote one of the first textbooks. Yes, of course. Uh, Sorry, I made, a, I made an Italian hand gesture. I had a nod to Father Anthony, but yeah. an Italian friar who uh, basically wrote the first accounting textbooks with the dual entry accounting, really is a, a means of justice and uh, equality for taking care of the, the money of, of poor and rich alike to make sure that they're not getting uh, scammed over. So there is a historical nature to um, kind of what I'm doing just as a way of, of making the money distribution equitable and all these things. Um, it's not, it's definitely not why I wanted to be a friar uh, or a priest. Um, so I, I basically have a nine to five kind of job. I commute to the office and work from home from a bit. So it's a very different expression um, of the priesthood and religious life than even most guys, you know, 175 friars in the province. There's only me as the treasurer. Yeah. So well, I think it's like your question, mm -hmm. which was had the word should in it a lot. Like, what should a priest look like? And then yeah. I think a lot of times in spiritual life and in just in the church, you got to be careful of that word. Yeah. Because there are certain shoulds. Like, you should, in fact, must pray. Pray. Yes. <laughs> right? You, you yeah. should, and in fact, must be devoted to our Lord and be devoted to the Eucharist. And you should, and in fact, must avoid sin and all that, right? And you should be devoted to Our Lady in an inaccessive way. Right. <laughs> which we, it, which is actually impossible to be excessive in devotion to Our Lady. I'm trying. This is, this is me trying. closing this can of worms. <laughs> uh, okay, it's closed. <laughs> but I think I think there are times though that the shoulds that we make are not shoulds that the church imposes upon us. Right, mm -hmm. and that's when stuff becomes dangerous. Yeah, and I find it tough to figure out what I should be as a priest, uh, just because. You know, you can study a whole bunch, and we all have, and we're all very smart and have a bunch of letters at the end of our name, some more than others. Some will even get even more, but more on that later. <laughs> um, so you've got all that, but then, then you get ordained, and all of a sudden you're just thrown into this. And like, okay, what should this life look like for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if, it's, and if if it looks a certain way for me and doesn't look a certain way for someone else, that gives me anxiety. I, yeah. I struggle with that sometimes. Yeah. I find it tough with those shoulds as well because I ask myself, well, how often should I be in my office? Mm -hmm. yeah. How often should I be over at the school? Our parish, we have a uh, kind of a senior drop-in center uh, Monday through Friday during the day. And how often should I be over there? Mm -hmm. How often should I be, you know, kind of engaging in fellowship with other priests and, and building up that priestly fraternity? How often should I do all of this stuff? And there's no exact answer for any of mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, I think we were having a conversation uh, amongst ourselves a, a little while ago about, well, how often do you, you know, how many hours a day should mm -hmm. a priest work? And what does work mean? And what right. does work mean for, for a priest, right? And and I, my answer was 
kind of a little bit flippant, I admit, but also uh, pretty simple is I should work as much time as it takes for me to do the work that I have to do. Right. You know, and some days it's significantly longer than other days. Yeah. And some days the work that I put in front of myself, if I say, well, okay, today I need to do this paperwork and, and um, to, to submit in the, you know, so if I'm doing marriage paperwork that has to be submitted into the, to the chancery, well, I should, I, I need to do that. And so if I start doing that, but if I'm, you know, in the way our parish works, we have kind of duty priests for the day. Mm-hmm. And if someone calls and has a sick call and need to go to the hospital, that's what I should be doing at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I go and do. And the paperwork gets moved to the side of my desk and it gets put off until a later time, hopefully mm-hmm. not a later day, but sometimes it gets pushed off. Mm-hmm. And so to say, you know, how much work should I be doing? You know, I don't want to say, you know, my work is my life and my life is my work. Right. Um, so I, yeah, but yeah. is it though? It, 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 but is it though? Because even that yeah, sentence is dangerous. So something, uh, we recently did a, a feedback survey for our mass times because we have a evolving mass time schedule in our parish. And there was this one particular comment that really, uh, um, I like, found I have, interesting. I laugh about it because it's <laughs> it, it really upset me at the time, but now I laugh about it, you know? So the one of the priests w- comments said, you know, like, why is it that a priest can only say three masses on a weekend? Shouldn't he work an eight-hour week like everybody else or an eight-hour day like everybody else? Mm -hmm. You know, it it just, I don't know, just betrayed this, maybe just a complete lack of understanding about what a priest, because most people see their priests on the weekend at one of the Sunday masses, Mm -hmm. and you have no idea, for the most part, what goes into the rest of a priest's week or his life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and and the the fact that I didn't share this with the man because it was just a written comment. It wasn't my business to do so either because I'm not the pastor um, to even respond to it. But internally, my response was, you know, um, Sunday is one of my more relaxing days, to be honest, um, because I don't consider the liturgy to be work in the same sense that like mm-hmm. doing paperwork is work, right. you know, or, or mm-hmm. even attending a meeting or even something like uh, – um, you know, sitting down with a couple for uh, marriage prep or something like that, that it has more work to it, work character to me than, than the liturgy. I live for that. That, that is, um, mm-hmm. but it takes work to prepare for it. And it's definitely emotionally taxing to do it. So mm-hmm. what is work? I don't know. It's a vocation. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I think um, for me, there's been a few things that I've been going through in my mind with this question. Part of it was I, I posted a poll and I got a lot of really interesting responses on it. And I, I got some, um, some really, really helpful responses too from parents, like people who are like who family people, especially mm-hmm. who are saying that their their life is different than ours, and that's okay. Like we're not going to have the same stresses and and on and maybe exhaustion of raising kids, and that's okay. And don't feel guilty about that. Like you're living celibacy, and that's a different life, and that's okay. Um, but that it's also like not about it's not about work it's a it's it is a vocation and so but it's about how do we order that stuff right so is it about and i think too it's because the priest's life is actually in a way and i say this like all with all like i've been reading i read a lot of joseph peeper and so um i really very very smart yes he is and i he i think um i think it's it's sorry, Father Dan's taking pictures while we're recording. It's kind of funny. Not a picture, selfies. <laughs> yeah, selfies now. Uh, self photographs. Yes. It's a nice self photograph. I think Listen, the priest. I'm doing this at the request of producer Nick. So okay. He Thank did you. say to do that. I'm yes. sorry. Uh, I do believe that the priesthood is, in a way, a leisurely class. Not in the sense of like, not in the sense of of, of like what we will think leisure is in like a work world that we live in, but rather in the sense that we are a class of 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 cult. 
of people who who are set aside to lead cult, which is worship through the mass, and our primary and our primary duties as priests is to pray mm-hmm. and to offer the sacraments. Um, yes, um, pastoral work. Yes, preaching and teaching. Yes, um, administration is all part of our task, but actually at the top of it is prayer. Mm. And people will often say, well, that's not work. And they're actually, I think it's a fair thing to say it's not work, but it's actually, it is a work Mm -hmm. too of God through us for the good of the people. And that's our primary task is to intercede for our people. I think the reason why this question becomes so difficult and why we get nervous talking about it is because there is this aspect of our culture where your personal value is based on your work. Yeah. Mm. If you're not a busy person, are you a good person? Right. You know, like, shouldn't you be busy? If you were a good person with responsibilities like a good person has, shouldn't you be busy? Everyone else is busy. Father, are you busy? Are you as busy as your pastor? Are you as busy as someone else? And there's so much value derived in that. You know, um, even like with like our young people, and I struggle with this a lot because I've got um, some great kids I serve at um, the college I'm a chaplain for. And they are so freaking busy. And it's hard to get them to get time, uh, find a right time for mass on Sundays. Like mm-hmm. there's more than 10 Catholic students on that campus, but they're all so filled up with all these things because you have to be busy to do all the things, to get the right job, to live the right life. Mm-hmm. And all of that is, I mean, is there any wonder there's so much anxiety and depression mm-hmm. among our young people? I think that goes, that goes beyond even to our age and above as well like if you're not busy you're not worthy yeah and i think it's about um i think we kind of re- need to rediscover this and it's i mean there's a few things here right because when we fall into the workaholism that's when the the things that are necessary for a good life such as exercise eating properly and making the time necessary for those things easily fall to the side because it's getting in the way of doing your work. Yeah. And that's never helped. I mean, and so people kind of get mad when priests, I, I, I've noticed sometimes people get mad when priests talk about this, like how I have a balanced life. But it's not about saying like, I, when there are times I don't have to be a priest, it's more about, at least in our context, you need to kind of mm-hmm. carve out time to do these things because of the way our world works. And so it's like, yeah, you need some time. You need to, It's okay to take a couple hours in the afternoon to go for a swim. And that's okay. Because you need to do that exercise. I think um, most, I think a lot, most of our people like want priests to take care of themselves because yeah. they know how few we are, right? <laughs> was that the terrifying statistic that like I was drilled into my brain yeah. in seminary? Maybe you guys heard this too. That's within the first five years that most priests leave yes. the priesthood yeah. because or stuff like this. Most priests who leave the priesthood leave in the first, first five years. There we go. That's it. Most priests are actually gone. Most priests are only ordained five years and then gone. But I think it's because of something of that. You, you, because I'm not taking care of yourself. I think our people like want us to pray and take because what we do is done through our person in a particular way. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like we are set aside. We are free to pray and you're not because you are, you are looking after kids. You are working a job. You're doing, that's the point of the priesthood. We pray like, that's why people always ask, Father, can you pray for this? That's literally what we are set aside to do, to pray because you, while we hope our people pray, we understand that they can't give the same time and devotion to that that we can. Our life is primarily one of prayer. It's like the first thing and when that gets out of, out of, mm-hmm. When that gets like turned on its head, that uh, that really uh, then the priesthood becomes something different. Mike, if you're gonna say something that your phrase is gonna be wrong, what say it into the microphone um, so we can oh, make sure. fun of I, you. Oh sure, sorry, I don't, don't just say it to Father I, Alex. I'll, I'll say it to see, see if it's wrong. I was, um, 
I mean, I think the the word liturgy itself means yeah. public work. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're leading the public work, and and one of the things that Father Alex said very well is. Um, you know, you don't consider the liturgy to be work in the, the, the sense that our culture considers it work. And I don't okay. I don't either. You know, Sunday, uh, you know, when I'm saying mass and, and for uh, daily mass as well. But I think particularly for Sunday mass, there's a lot of work in more of a kind of the sense that, that everyone understands work that's gone into it. Yeah. The time that I've spent preparing the homily right. uh, is the, the a lot of the, the kind of the primary uh, hours that I spend. You know, and and that I think can be considered work. Mm -hmm. You know, you you do the the research, uh, you pray about it, you write a rough draft, you write an outline. However, you know, you go about preparing your homily. That's in a, in in kind of our cultural sense, work. Um, but then you use that work to do the public work of of celebrating the liturgy. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm realizing that while we're having this discussion, and even after my own comment. That we're, I think we're operating off of a really, and you can probably speak to this even better than I could, Father Harrison, because of your familiarity with Peeper, you know, but the, there, that there's a, a really sort of fallen or a twisted idea of work at mm -hmm. play here, that when people say like, oh, shouldn't a priest work an eight-hour day, um, that they have this idea of work as being a grim <laughs> and terrible thing that doesn't have a connection to your happiness or your life, mm. um, and that it's like I'm so, some sort of necessary pain that you go through yeah. and you know i realize that for a lot of people work does have that character but um yeah. you know that, that, that there isn't this idea of um you know that you love your work and that it gives you life and it's something that you want to do it's something that you know like do we consider parenting to be work in the same sense mm. right um because i think there's a comparison to be made with the priesthood there. yeah yeah peeper argues about this that essentially what's been going on especially in the west is what he calls the protestant work ethic uh which was invented by max faber and so this idea that um, uh, work is where your value is found and so even like even time of, of leisure and even times of leisure and um, and so on and so forth that's actually rest to make you able to work more and that's not what people and people are saying that's not the classical view of labor and work work is good actually and let's has do a place. we should do a podcast on yeah that. we'll do a podcast do that. That. I so, want to know if Father Dan has any closing thoughts I see the food. <laughs> I eat the food. Then the food is all gone. Then I get a little sad until the next day. And then I recognize, you know what? There's more food. Then I see that food and I eat that food too. Wiser words have never been said. Yet. <laughs> Brothers, it's been a blessing. Yeah, this is good. This is very good. So quickly just go around. Uh, what is your Twitter handle? I am at Trank, S-E-H-R-E-N-K. Uh, at Father Sharapa. At FR Rakadan. They make fun of me every time I do this because I have to look it up and it's long. It's at F-R-N-I-C-K-O-F-M-C-O-N-V. And the last seven of those letters are the ones that come after my name. Some fancy like I'm, that. <laughs> I'm at FR Harrison. I'm at M. Lilydahl. You can uh, find our podcast on Twitter at, at ClericalPod. And you can email us, clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. And we look forward to uh, talking to you with our normal format next week. So God bless you all. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. God bless.